name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The reading from Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets, is shocking because God accuses His own appointed priests, priests whose whole entire ministry existed for the purpose of holiness, of producing, He accuses them of producing just the opposite effect. They have become a curse rather than a blessing as God intended. God accuses them of two things. He said, number one, you have caused many to falter by your instruction. And second, you have made void the covenant both with God and with others. In other words, God accused the prophets of causing scandal because they have not taught the whole truth and they have disobeyed God's commandments. The entire system of Judeo-Christian tradition and God's credibility is predicated in the preaching and the living out of the truth. That was the only way 12 Jewish fishermen were able to convert the hard-nosed citizens of the Roman Empire. That was the only way the pagan world was converted to Christianity. They were able to do so because Christians taught the truth and they practiced holiness. Let us look at the statistics in contemporary American and European society. According to a latest research conducted by the Pew Research Center, for every six Catholic that leaves the church, one enters it. In Northern Europe, it is 10 to 1. And what are the reasons? Two of the main reasons are the ones God complains about through the prophet Malachi. The lack of preaching the truth and the lack of holiness. If the whole gospel had been preached and taught with clarity and with charity, people would be flocking to the church to hear it. And if all priests had lived lives of love rather than lusts, if they all had been good shepherds and cared for the sheep rather than abusing them, people would be looking up to them and trusting them. So, even though God's complaint was directly intended to the generations of the prophet Malachi, which was 2,700 years ago. This is an indictment too that can easily be applied to us today, especially the clergy. As a priest and as a pastor, this passage from the prophet Malachi speaks to me because it is both a reminder and a challenge to me that if I do not preach the truth in love, and if I don't strive for personal holiness in my own life, my priesthood can turn to a curse rather than a blessing. That's a pretty serious warning. 
But, but, that doesn't mean that the laity is off the hook. Because all of us, including lay people, are instruments of God's grace. Just like the ordained priesthood, there is also the priesthood of the believers. Ordained priests mediate divine grace in special sacramental and authoritative ways, but all of us mediate grace to each other. Vatican II reminds us that at our baptism, we have been anointed in Christ as priest, prophet, and king. And this anointing is then strengthened and confirmed when we receive the sacrament of confirmation. And so all of us, all of us mediate Christ to each other by our word and by our deed. And conversely, we are also capable, capable of mediating anti-grace and anti-Christ by also by our words and our deeds. This is the problem that God was addressing through the prophet Malachi. God cannot reward evil any more than he can condemn what is good. Blessing is his necessary response to goodness and truth. And curse, which is the opposite of blessing, is his necessary response to evil and to darkness. This is the law of morality, and it is as inescapable as the law of physics. The sun cannot reflect off white paint and be absorbed by black paint. Likewise, truth cannot be a lie, and lie cannot be truth. Goodness cannot be evil, and evil cannot be considered good. Good people can be a little bad, and bad people can be a little good. But goodness is not a little evil, and evil is not a little good. God is good, and God is goodness. He is total justice and total love, and God does not and cannot change his eternal nature. But we can change. We can change for evil or for good. We can become corrupted even if we are good. And we can reform and repent even when we are evil. And that is true not just of lay people, but also of the clergy. Therefore, we are very much capable of reversing a curse. We can reverse the exit statistics of people leaving the church that I quoted from the beginning. Last night, we kicked off our newly reconstituted youth group, Victorium. And I have to tell you, if you weren't there, you would have been amazed by the number of young people who were there. They were there because, like you, like you and me, young people seek the truth. They want the truth. They want wholesomeness, holiness, and goodness. That's why those things will succeed. Deeds, whether good or bad, are like viruses. They spread. 
The person that you touch with a good or a bad deed today will become a little different because of it. Either a little better or a little worse. And all the people that that person will meet, and then all the people that they will meet, will be affected by that change. It might start out small, but it has the potential to become bigger. Tiny pebbles can become, can make an avalanche if there are enough of them. Every vote counts in every election, every good deed or words, or every bad deeds and words count in the light of eternity. Imagine for a moment if God were to allow us, to permit us to see the differences our own sins or our acts of love made to everyone down the chain, down through time and throughout all space. We would either be in awe or we would be paralyzed by our power and our responsibility. Recently, I started reading the story of Manuel Quezon. He was the president of the Philippine Commonwealth under the United States during the Second World War. And I always had a fascination with that time period in my birth country because my grandparents lived during that time in history. In 1939, prior to the outbreak of the war in the Pacific, Manuel Quezon was one of the probably two or three leaders in the world who went out of his way to accept Jewish refugees who were being persecuted by the Nazi regime. In fact, he managed to save more than 1,700 refugees more so than Oscar Schindler, as portrayed in the movie Schindler's List. Towards the end of his life, at the end of the war, as he was watching the newsreel of what had happened in Europe and the atrocities committed by the Nazi regime in the concentration camp, he mourned and regretted and said to his wife, Aurora, that he could have save more refugees. He felt that maybe if he was a little tougher and a little, a little, worked a little harder or tried harder, he could have saved more lives. His wife reminded him of a famous Jewish saying, also quoted in Schindler's List, whoever saves one life saves the world entire. That it's an articulation for us of the power of our choices. We can either choose to be a power for good or a power for evil. We can choose to preach and live by the truth of Jesus Christ and strive to live good and holy lives, or we can choose the opposite. But whatever we choose or whatever direction we take, we will either contribute to the saving of lives and souls or we will contribute to their destruction and their condemnation. There is no middle ground. It is an either or. 
May God give all of us the grace to choose truth over lies and to choose goodness over evil. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.